0: everybody. This is Larry Dobrow, Senior Editor of MM&M, and we are here with the mm and Podcast, kind of a special in-house edition about the Health Influencer 50, which was um, unveiled earlier this week. I'm joined by MMM's General Manager and Editor-in-Chief, Steve Madden, and I am also joined by PR Week's Executive Editor, Frank Washkuch. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about the list itself, about what went into it in terms of the thinking And, you know, kind of what we learned along the way um, about the nature of Celebrity and how it's evolving in in the health space. Before we get going, though, um, just one or two quick plugs. Um, MM&M is doing its first ever 40 Under 40, um, I guess it's a competition. Is it a competition?
1: Oh, I prefer to think of it as a list. As a list. Okay.
0: (laughs) Um, But entries for that are due next week. Um, Please go to our website and any of our social media areas to find out more information. Also, we will soon be launching a holiday card contest. Um, We want to see what you guys are putting together. We know there are videos. We know there are traditional cards. Um, We're going to want to see it all. Details about that should be available next week. So please uh, contribute early and often. So let's talk uh, Health Influencer 50. Um, Steve, this is the first HI50 that you've contributed to. Um, Give us your take on having done this, having basically... Talked about the people that we were going to put in, some of the candidates that we did settle on, some of the candidates we rejected.
1: Um, yeah, I basically wanted to the list to be a, a very uh, it, to be a comprehensive look at who has influence, right? Um, you know, twenty years ago, maybe even ten years ago, that list would have been much more narrowly defined to people who uh, who draw paychecks from the health industry, health or healthcare industry, in some way. Um, but things have changed so much due to the nature of social media that people who um, people who are well-known and have an opinion or a viewpoint on healthcare now tr- wield tremendous influence. That's why you've got people on the list like Michael Phelps and Serena Williams, um, David Goggins, people who, you know, are not doctors, but who... Uh, influence how we think and act about healthcare.
0: Frank, um, you know, you this is a collaboration, which I should have mentioned up front. It's a collaboration with PR Week. Um, the list includes a bunch of people. That are extremely effective communicators. How, how do you think that plays into the influence equation? Can you be an effective influencer without being skilled at communicating, especially in the social media era?
2: Yeah, I think you can, but I, I think it depends how authentic you are and that you have a certain you know verification from the audience. You know, um, when when Michael Phelps talks about um, you know his, his struggles with wellness and his struggles with uh, with mental health. Um, he's coming, he's coming at this from a very authentic viewpoint and the audience takes it very seriously. And I think they take it especially more seriously because, um, you know, he's from this macho background in swimming and athletics. And, and I think people realize it probably was, was a bit difficult for him to, you know, step out of his shell and really talk about these kind of things publicly. So I think, if, uh, if an athlete or an actor or what, whatever the case is tends to talk about these things authentically, then I think it works. And I think that they are a valuable and effective communicator.
0: You know, it's interesting. when we, were, we also wrote a story in the issue about the changing nature of celebrity influence. I mean, at this point are some of the celebrity health influencers known as much for their advocacy around health issues, you know, whether it's some of mm-hmm. Blair and MS, Michael Phelps and um, mental health. Are they known as much for that as they are for their you know, previous achievements as entertainers, as athletes, or as anything else? You know,
2: it's funny in that um, with Michael J. Fox, I bet to a younger generation, he's probably known more for his advocacy on Parkinson's disease than he is actually for being an actor. You know, and, uh, you know, where you or I might think of him just as Michael J. Fox from, from Alex Back Keaton, to the future. yeah, yeah Or Alex <laughs> Keaton, yeah. Um, but I, I think a younger generation might know him more as, a, as an advocate and, and somebody who, who suffers from Parkinson's disease. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, the non traditional background is, is really interesting and it definitely gives these folks a bigger microphone to use.
1: It's an interesting point, but I don't think that anybody is going to think of um, Michael Phelps first and foremost for his his work on uh, mental health, uh, as as important as it is. I think the reason he gets the chance to speak about mental health is, that is because Michael of Phelps. the work that he did in the pool. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, some of the other influences on the list, um, you know, someone like Kevin Hart. You know, he's and he's somebody that obviously had a pretty big health setback in the time between when we were going to name him to the list and when the list actually came out. Um, how, how do we sort of square that? You know, the fact that you know, right, he's known for his you know humor, his entertainment, his stand-up you know, movies, everything first and foremost. He comes out as one of the really good advocates of, of health and fitness. He also is gets dragged down with some of the comments he made, you know, 10 years ago. H- how do you kind of, take all of this together. It means it's just the fact that he's so authentic that's going to land him on this or is it the fact that all of this is coming together in one thing and people are accepting him for the good and for the bad?
1: I think I look at it and I just think like this is life in the internet age. It's like uh, you get the good, the bad, the ugly and you, you have to just take the whole thing on balance, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, it's like trying to find a political candidate who doesn't have any skeletons in the closet. Mm-hmm. Uh, however broadly def- you define skeletons, Right. Um, I'm not saying that I'm uh, condoning anything that Kevin Hart had said, but in explaining the phenomenon, he still, despite the, the stuff that he said, he still has an audience who follows him because he's a funny guy um, and, you know, actually you know, works out a lot and has an opinion about how to work out. I mean, he's not a trainer, right? But he certainly inspires people to, um, to live a healthier lifestyle. Uh, we've got two two guys on the list, David Goggins and Jocko Wilnick, former Navy SEALs, who have huge audiences. Um, and they espouse a very um, – I don't want to use the word extreme, but uh, –
0: Motivated. Highly motivated
1: <laughs> form of fitness and an approach to life. Uh, and clearly there's an audience for that. And they, they take advantage of it and they communicate – Extremely effectively with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, is it that piece? You know, I think Frank referenced this before. Is it that kind of authenticity piece that distinguishes the ones who are doing this very well and the ones who are doing it possibly for ulterior motives or anything else?
1: Part of the part of the reason that uh, those two guys have such big audiences is they they tend to, to shoot video of themselves or or mm-hmm. film some kind of imagery of themselves working out. Uh, Will Nick always? Posts a photo uh, of his watch, the time of day that he worked out. It's never later than like four thirty-five a.m. And Goggins uh, is a master of running with one hand, uh, you know, pumping with one hand and holding a camera with the other to record his his runs. So they're very authentic, um, and they look it, and they act it. They're they're walking the walk.
0: Um, Frank, some of the you know, more traditional health communicators that are on the list. you know, there are certainly some people you know, especially from the agency world that have been on this list. I think we've done it four years now. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think are the traits that distinguish them, you know, versus some of the things that we talked about that distinguish the celebrities and better known people that are on the list?
2: Well, they have the chops for one, in that they um, they understand communication strategies and they understand what's effective for reaching certain audiences in a in a strategic way as well as you know how to roll out a campaign how to work with other influencers and and brands and things of that nature so um y- you know when it comes to the strategy and tactics they have that down pat
0: mm-hmm. and i mean is that something that could be missing from you know we've obviously received some you know why was not x person on the list i mean is that it if you can't do the basic blocking and tackling you know you're not going to make it onto a, a list of this nature i
2: you know i don't know that there's any special formula, but I, I think that in, in some cases being a sound marketer or being a sound communications professional definitely helps. Um, you know, with, with the other folks that are celebrities or that already have these huge audiences, I think the, it's a little bit different.
1: It's I I think to, to magnify Frank's point, it's like, uh, being an effective communicator, but also being someone who understands everything that goes into communication now, you know, it's not just writing, it's not just talking, it's, uh, it's everything and health is everything. So these two things have can converged in a way that's really affected, uh, agency structure in life.
0: Um, one of the things that we also featured in, you know, as sort of an adjunct to this list, we did a kind of feature on negative influencers, you know, some of the people coming out, um, spreading potentially dangerous information about vaccines and everything else um in in a way you know what was the uh what was the leonard cohen quote like uh there's holes in everything that's how the light gets in i mean in a way that do we need the influencers are almost abusing their celebrity to a certain extent to focus on the good that you know some of these other guys are doing
2: I'll say no. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say do no. We just wanna, I, do we
2: just want to? you know. I you, think we could do without anti-vaccination <laughs> yeah. advocates, if you can call them that. That was um, that was phrased
1: less like <laughs> elegantly. Maybe it's the balance between the good and the bad that we're kind of weighing you, here. You stunned me with the uh, Leonard Cohen quote. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> I don't think. I don't. I don't think we need someone like Jenny McCarthy telling us that you, that you shouldn't get vaccinated uh, to understand that you need to get vaccinated. Um, I, don't, I don't think that her efforts let any light in. I think they, they only harm things. To play
0: the devil's advocate, you
1: know, she posts whatever she posts and then you have 72,000 people yelling back at her
0: on social media. Is there some value in that? Uh,
1: I think there's more value in her uh, keeping her Ill, ill-formed opinion to herself. <laughs> but that's not, that's not what social media is all about now, is it? No, no, so, no, it is not. Um, so if she's going to do that, I guess the fact that 72,000 people bark back at her is, is, is a good thing.
0: Um, some of the specific people that made the list and that, um, hadn't in the past, um, I think we talked about a couple of those. Um, I'll start. I thought Serena Williams was a pretty inspired addition simply because this is somebody that is, you can make an argument as one of the greatest athletes of all time, um, certainly in women's tennis, but across any sport, um, she's coming out, she is shining a light and she is also investing, um, very heavily in, you know, maternal health, um, what, what do we need to do to get, to get more people on that track? Who are some of the other people on the list Do you think, you know, hopefully will birth similar impulses in their fellow uh, celebrities and influencers?
1: Well, one of, one of the things that's interesting about this list is that each celebrity was motivated by personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Phelps was talking, and, and it's why he's so authentic is because he's talking about his own experience, the same with Serena. Uh, she's talking about the, uh, the birthing experience that she had, and that's, that's led her down this road. Um, so I think that, you know, in order for these uh, influencers to be credible and effective, they need to have had that kind of experience. I'm not wishing ill on people for the sake of <laughs> uh, becoming an advocate, but it, it really helps.
2: Um, a little bit. I'm sidestepping your question a little bit, but um, to take somebody from the communications world as an example, who I don't believe was on the list last year, when we look at, at Catherine Metcalf from CVS Health, um, this is somebody who's working for a company that acquired a health insurance company in the past year with uh, CVS Health buying Aetna. And you know it, it's a company that when you look at the technological investments it's made and, and things like that, it's really Shaping how healthcare is going to look in the future. I mean, a lot of people still think of it as a pharmacy, yeah, but it's it's doing so much more than that. It's so much bigger of a company than that now. So I, this is somebody who's really on the front lines of, you know, what? Uh, how are people going to get treated in the coming years? Not even touching the politics of it. Not even touching that. But it's um, she's really shaping what healthcare is going to look like in the next five, ten years.
0: I'm um, looking forward to the next um, Health Influencer 50. Um, where are we going to see, you know, people jump, jumping in, adding in? Are we going to see more of the celebrities that we've spoken about? Are we going to see more of the agency voices and communication voices that have traditionally been uh, been on this list? I mean, or is it just we're 12 months away, anything can happen, and, you know, in a presidential year, it probably will.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, we're 12 months out from, or nine, hopefully nine months, eight, nine months out from compiling the next list. Uh, and a lot can happen and I, you know, I, I want, I want that it makes the, uh, having that kind of news hook, um, makes the whole thing more relevant. So see, we do have to kind of wait and see. There are perennial players on this list though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we went back and said,
0: well, maybe four or five people have been on this list all four years that we've done it. You know, most within the agency slash pharma realm, you know, like Steve Ubel from the organization, pharma, you know, a couple other people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think that, that someone like uh, Leram Siegel, the head of the largest a- agency in North America, is, is going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. right
0: now, we're actually going to stop for a second. We're going to bring in um, somebody who is an extremely influential voice in health. It's Ethan Lindenberger, who was uh, the recipient of M&M's Platinum Award at our award ceremony last month for the uh, courage and advocacy he has shown around um, vaccination mm-hmm. and you know his own story and everything else. Ethan, welcome to the MMM podcast. Thanks so much for being here today with us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, when we were planning out a podcast around our Health Influencer 50 list, you know, you were certainly somebody we wanted to speak with simply because you're someone whose influence has been keenly, keenly felt over the last year. So uh, thank
3: you for being with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on as well as the fifth leading health, health influencer. That's uh, really awesome to see. And I really appreciate that choice because it means a lot to me. All right.
0: Um, From your perspective, Ethan, how has health influence evolved over the last year, over the last couple
3: of years? I mean, certainly you've been in the middle of it. I think health influence, uh, especially for younger demographics, has uh, really increased in awareness. And I think that younger people over the past even just five years have been able to raise their voices in a way that they never had before. And so you see not only in public health with vaccines, but all different topics like climate change you're seeing young people taking stances in leadership which is just a huge cultural and uh and societal change that is really going to continue getting better
0: in terms of your own
3: experience
0: um walk us i mean certainly everybody's familiar you know with your advocacy but what walk us through it kind of uh the, the the initial days after realizing how much your story resonated with people um how, how did you feel about that what did it feel like you were almost under siege to a certain extent because everybody did want to talk to you and you went from a position of
3: not as much influence to a lot of influence very quickly. Well, I, I knew that going into you know the testimony and further beyond that with like my TED talk and whatnot, that the, uh, the, the the change I was creating in the part of like the movement I was a part of was going to snowball and keep growing, and I, I just knew that I had to keep in mind why I was doing it, the motivations, what I really wanted to convey, which was about empathy and kindness and respect for victims and misinformation and so i just continued saying that over and over again trying to keep that message clear and concise and even though it was very dramatic and quick from a shift of smaller influence and no influence to a lot of it i just kept in mind why i was doing it and you know why it was important what was
0: there a moment or you know maybe a series of moments that you knew you were on the right path that
3: that message was resonating in the way that you wanted it to i think so i think that the testimony was where it really kind of struck because before the testimony was doing a lot of media interviews And I think close to 300 news interviews with, you know, podcasts, uh, television, um, phone calls, just a lot of interviews. And those you don't really see the impact of because you just hope people latch on to it and understand your ideas. But when it came to the testimony, it was a really clear uh, conference and the media was reporting on it saying this is what Lindenberger said. This is what he wanted to convey. And it was very clear exactly what I wanted it to be. And so it just really showed that people latched on and cared about the message I was trying to share. In, in the wake, you know, I, I agree with your characterization
0: of that. In, in the wake of the testimony, um, how, how, do you, how did you tweak your message, if at all? Um, you know, once you realized, all right, this connected in the way I wanted it to. Um, did you evolve it a little bit? Did you kind of just double down on what you said about empathy and, you know, kindness? I mean, whether, you know, whether the testimony, I mean, it landed in such a way, did that cause you to rethink
3: on um, how your influence had expanded, had changed you know, in the wake of it? So in the wake of the testimony, I just realized that you know, the, the, the clear and concise message from my story was enough to make a difference. And so I just saw that I didn't need to be the leader of a nonprofit or the foundation or a large scientific study to really cause a huge difference. And if I just focus on what I've experienced and who I am and keep that in the forefront and the priority – Um, That really just impacted me in a great way to say, like, this is enough. And I can keep doing this and keep speaking to who I am to just keep making difference.
0: Um, Along those lines, I think you kind of just answered my next question. But, um, you know, what were for you the most important learnings along the way? You know, um, you know, a while after, you know, you became such an influential figure. Um, Looking back on it now, you know, what were the things, the biggest takeaways that you have that you would suggest to anybody else who's in a similar situation but hey, you know here are the things that uh, you know are going to come out of this for you.
3: The the big takeaways I I kind of gained from the advocacy I was doing and the and the influence I had was just that my message was clear and concise and it came from a personal decision to advocate for truth. And anyone can do that. It doesn't require you to lead a nonprofit, start a foundation. And on top of that, the harassment and struggles I was facing, as long as I stayed unbreakable and, and faced those things and continued understanding what I'm doing what I was doing was important, that you know, I just had to keep going. And even if it was hard, even though it required some tenacity to fight the harassment and some of the crazy stuff that was being claimed, um, I just knew it was important and I knew that the message was very clear. So I just keep running with it. And so just a message of of anyone can do it and it's hard, but just keep going.
0: You know, this is a little bit off the uh, topic of influence, but you know, some of the way you dealt with that harassment, you know, you didn't get into these detailed, huge arguments and, you know, throwing out study and this and that and everything else. I mean, could could a lot of other people learn a little bit from that strategy of basically like, you can engage in a way
3: that's not argumentative, in a way that's not gonna rile you up personally? Yeah, the reason that I ever engage with people online is not to prove that they're wrong, it's to demonstrate the evidence I have. And so even if they're aggressive, even if they're mean, that just demonstrates they don't have an argument. Because when you attack someone, you instantly lose a debate. And when you're talking with someone online or in person, and they're presenting their ideas and you engage with them in a way that's scientific and clear, People will notice that and see, okay, you have the better arguments, but they also pay attention to how you treat them. And so I've always been respectful and kinder to people that are uh, misinformed. And so that's continued demonstrating that I both have the evidence and the mentality of, of sophistication, of, of empathy. And so that does not concern itself with if you're right and if the other person agrees with you. It's not to win the arguments, to demonstrate your ideas and to also demonstrate how to articulate them and why you believe what you do believe. Because I don't believe people are evil. I believe they're misinformed. And so I demonstrate that by being kind and empathetic.
0: In a different front, the nature, changing nature of influence, especially within the health um, realm, um, who, who influences you? Who do you turn to for information that
3: interests you, informs you, educates you, entertains you? So when I look to influences that have really impacted me, I just look at some of the global leaders we have in the health industry. Some people like Jerome Adams, Surgeon General, who is a great example of just uh, engaging with younger audiences and trying to stand up for truth while also being genuine in who he is. Um, I also look at someone like Greta Thunberg, who is leading uh, climate strikes and is being a legitimate leader despite her younger age and other barriers that could could hinder her. But she chooses to to go past those and remain you're completely unbreakable in in the Harassment and struggles she faces, and so in health industry and also in this advocacy at large, there are countless people like that, including you know David and Emma um, David Hogg and Emma Gonzalez who are fighting uh, against gun violence and so stuff like that really continues to show that you can make a difference and that inspires me almost every day. To a,
0: to a certain extent, um, you know what what happened with, with you with uh, David Hogg, you know with um, with Greta with everyone else, you know in a way just the fact that you we're having this conversation, the fact that you are an influencer? I mean, has that open the door for other people? I mean, have you heard from other would be influencers about like, Hey, you know, I've got this story.
3: Is there a way I can spin this out that would most effectively let me be heard? I think that there's definitely younger people every single day that are trying to make a difference. And I've engaged with, you know, dozens of people that want to make a difference that want to try and change their environment and the, and the debate and further the scientific industry and like, and help with this, this, this issue of misinformation. Um, and You know, I really do believe that continuing to see young advocates, I know, like myself, like David, like Emma, like Greta, shows and demonstrates that it is possible to be a younger person just to have a personal story and run with it and make a real difference. And so the more we see that, I think the more people will come out and and believe that and really try and latch on to a movement or a change.
0: Ethan, just one last question for you. It sounded the old uh, crystal ball question. Um, We're heading into a year that's probably going to be an extremely loud year, given um, the presidential election and everything that comes with it. If we're having this conversation at this time next year, how do you anticipate the nature of influence, especially within the realm of health, might have shifted? Um, Is it going to be the people that, within that highly politicized context, are able to
3: articulate and be empathetic in the way that you have? Um, How how do you see things changing? Um, All I hope to see change that people in other avenues of health and uh, other topics of contention are met with empathy, and so people continue to dr- to grow more empathetic and kind despite as we become more polarized as a culture and nation. When it comes to health especially, I just hope that with the next year, as you go into more territory of, of arguments and debate and struggles when it comes to political strife and conflict with people, that we see more people defending health and fighting against very clear issues of misinformation and of health concerns and public safety Um, that it should be bipartisan. And so it may not happen, but I hope it does. I just hope that we see more bipartisan uh, unison in trying to face real issues that that need our concern.
0: And and it speaks wonderfully about our times that we're talking about, like defending science and defending facts is something that we hope to see more of, I tell you.
3: yeah,
0: Ethan, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time here today. You've been so gracious with uh, all of the Haymarket brands over the last couple of weeks with your time. Um, Thank you again. Thank you, not a problem at all. Thanks, guys. And I think that's a wrap for today on the MM&M podcast. Uh, Thank you to Frank Washkoch. Thank you to Steve Madden. Um, Thank you to you for listening. Um, We will be back next week. Take care.